This is the Thera Podcast, hosted by Drs. Martin Wesley and David Whittinghill. Welcome to the Thera Podcast. Uh, this is Dr. Martin Wesley. I'm the good-looking uh, co- uh, host uh, of the of the duo here. <laughs> Would you disagree, David? Or? I'm not even going to comment on that. <laughs> You know, here we are. Probably some people couldn't even tell us apart. Um, you know, here you are. I'm sorry, but you don't have any hair. I don't have any hair. We're we're uh, we got both white beards. We're getting older. Both come from Kentucky. Um, what can we say? So. I don't know, but <laughs> I, you don't have to be sorry about uh, the fact that I don't have any hair. You didn't have anything to do with that. So <laughs> I just want to let well, you off the hook. Well, you know, I wear a hat everywhere I go, so um, I sort of hide it, I guess, to some degree. So what do we want to talk about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we both just got back from trips, so maybe we talk about that. Now, trips or journeys? Because I... You, you know, yeah. you know. Are we talking about substance abuse trips, or are we talking about some kind of journeys that we took? <laughs> I think, yeah, maybe uh, vacations. Okay, vacations, holidays, whatever we want to call it. <laughs> yeah. No, I. Yeah, for me, yeah, I just got back um, from going to Ireland, and we had a good time, the family and I, and uh, really enjoyed that. So yeah, I wanted to share a few lessons I learned, or, or at least things that I was thinking about uh, in the travel. And I think you were thinking the same. Where'd you go? I went to Montana and um, uh, with a friend, and um, we went on the uh, Beartooth Highway and into Ennis, Montana, and fished the Madison River, which was beautiful. Yeah. Did you get anything? (laughs) No, not much. Well, I mean, we caught some fish. That was great. But it's mostly the scenery out there. It's just a a sublime experience. And uh, it makes me realize what a small speck on a speck that I am. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Tell, well, that that's your first, I think. T- tell me what you mean by that expansive world spec. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in our in our counseling or in our professional lives, you know, you can get wrapped up in the idea of uh, how important you are and um, become. Um, overly guilty about certain actions you've taken or not taken in the past and and while some of that may be true there's as I pull back and look at the grander scale of things I realize that some of my actions um, may not have as much impact as I think they have or my existence may not uh, be as important as I think it is I don't know. Um, maybe it's very important, but um, in terms of uh, the universe and the Earth, um, my the one thing I thought of during my trip was, you know, this whole business about uh, climate change and yeah, our impact how, on him. Yeah. yeah, and our impact or, or our implicit lack of impact on it I, right you know i don't know and this is the home our grandchildren's grandchildren will have i hope um as long as we make the right choices i guess yeah so you were you know just this idea of this awesomeness of the world seeing this i mean this highway i think you were describing it to me it was pretty amazing oh yeah it was all, it was absolutely incredible, um, like that experience you have when you look across the ocean. Uh, you get the, uh, the feeling of you really get a perspective that's different from the one that you have when you're inside your house. Yeah. It's, uh, how 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 
where we fit in the world as humans uh, on an individual basis, you know. Yeah. In, in between in relationships, I, you know, I, we have a, like, I became more aware when I'm out in nature that I have an obligation. There's a, so as we're drifting down the river, right, I have this obligation to the two other people that are in the boat with me. I mean, nobody's going to come and save us. Um, and there's just an awareness of safety and where's the food and yeah, um, I don't know. It just Do sort of kicks in. Yeah. Do you see, when you see this uh, expansive world, um, you know, this beautiful world out there and you see some responsibility, mm -hmm. do you also see purpose? Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting because um, that's what um, occurred to me was during this trip was uh, what did I have importance and, and what legacy I was leaving and they're mostly existential issues. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I guess all of us kind of have those kind of things, but... Yeah. Well, I'll tell um, you what, I'm going to go to my area, which was a big one for me, too, was just here I am going through Ireland. And again, if anyone's been in Ireland, I mean, you can go to a castle every, you know, 30 miles, there's another castle. And I see and wow. these ruin, ruins everywhere, you know, and we're not talking... You know something that's a hundred years old uh, you know that you would see in this country or maybe 200 years we're talking about you know a millennia or long or older even um and to me there's just something about the brevity of life that i that i feel when i'm looking at this and realizing you know who are these people and uh and you know what um what lasts in a sense so these buildings i don't know any of these people that were here before maybe they were even some of my family or your family i don't know but the issue is, is here these rocks are lasting longer than we are sort of go into that existential area that you're mm -hmm. talking about um yeah it just makes me like you yeah. said uh there's a what lasts um you know, do our genes last? You know, the ch you've, you've got a child, I've got three um, and some grandkids. And, I, you know, there's part of us that maybe that's a way, a legacy that we can leave. But, you know, I, I just think that'll fizzle out. And does it really matter that I bring genetic material to the next generation? I don't even know if it matters. Um, that according makes sense. to Dawkins, Richard, yeah, according to Richard Dawkins, it doesn't matter much. Um, five generations and the genetic material is our genetic material. Five generations down the line is pretty much gone. It kind of blends in. So, you know, and then it, you're looking at castles that are, what, thousands of years old? And, but yeah. uh, I guess there's no other artifacts left out on the ground of, yeah. Or... Well, there's probably a few things, you know, I think they found, yeah, I mean, you'll find little swords or something like that, but, but the issue is, is, you know, those are still, um, you know, you can see their handicrafts, you know, you see, you know, their art, you can see their, their knowledge that has been passed on from generation to generation and sometimes lost, but, mm. But, you know, some of these were pretty incredible uh, structures, as an example. So that part of me thinks that our ideas and some maybe even our behavior last longer than yeah. our genes. <laughs> I mean, everyone yeah, I knows. That. Yeah, everyone knows Isaac Newton, for example, and, and Galileo and others, because they had something to say, and it's probably going to last for many more millennia, uh, but therapists, um, part of me, and educators, I think it's our ideas, it's our, it is our uh, willingness to not just follow others and what the textbook says, but it's literally willing to challenge and to, uh, and to think independently, uh, to, uh, 
that that'll make the differences in the world and and distinguish us from the other educators and other people doing some of the same thing if that makes sense yeah it does i mean uh, um i think i think the record shows that there's been like um little over a hundred billion humans born on the earth and of yeah. those how many do we recall you know it's it's thousands of people and but yeah. we recall them usually for what you just said some idea yeah sometimes bad things but but uh <laughs> that we remember them for but yeah yeah but they 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 had a significant uh influence and i i really think that our way in which we help others to be you know whether that's parenting or whether that is mm-hmm. uh taking you know the way we treat children the way we treat our elders all of those things i think can last much longer than we than we will be here on earth and uh, and especially if we're willing to break that chain that has sort of driven the family circle for quite some time. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a hard one to break. Yeah, you we're talking about purpose, tr- purpose earlier, right? You know, yeah. I I don't I don't know about your family, but you know, there was no. Um, Maybe these are first world kind of problems, but in, in my family, the purpose to life uh, for my grandfather was simply to put food on the table. So, yeah. for example, back during the Depression, he would he worked for the, it was called CCC's, Corps of conservation something I can't remember exactly but anyway it was a program set up by Roosevelt in Kentucky and they went about the business of uh, helping with the national parks and, and in Kentucky that's Mammoth Cave so he'd get one sandwich and he'd bring that sandwich he'd eat part of the sandwich but he'd bring it home he'd travel 70 some odd miles back home to Elizabethtown and he'd bring that to my grandmother and she'd eat the other half and that's how they survived so mm-hmm. the, the purpose for him was to, to to bring food to survive yeah but as we yeah, no. you know as our, as our families you know became more educated that went away because food was easy to get right and i i think that's what you're talking about well i mean you know even you know for example my irish side of me is coming from my mom's side and her uh maiden name is carol or o'carl you know o'carol um which was irish and so you know they're they have a coat of arms you know and you look up and there's meaning to this family to this clan in this case it meant victorious warrior i think um and but but the issue is is you had purpose even with within a family you you know you had this um meaning that was sort of inherent in being that and sometimes we live up to that Mm -hmm. i I, i'm amazed when i work with clients even that they don't even know what their name means uh whether it's their surname or their you know their first name they they have no idea Uh, and we've not instilled that in in people today that they 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 have a purpose even in their own name if that makes sense you know david i don't know if you've ever you know david means beloved right um and and uh, i i don't know if you've ever used that i mean for example martin it means warrior and for me i have taken that not that i'm a physical person i'm not a I'm not a warrior by any means of being uh, some type of great athlete, but I do, I am a fighter. (laughs) I fight um, sometimes where I think there's an injustice. And to me, I've always sort of kept that close to me and I've made that part of my purpose, if that makes sense. And And I've tried to sort of use that with clients quite often. Interesting. I haven't thought about it from that perspective, but yeah, I, I have thought about the the beloved part, and yeah, um, 
my mother would remind me of that always. Really, That's really. Why we named you that? So, so um, to be kind. Yeah. And, uh, and so, well, and even though I often go to my uh, too many my share of chores and too many <laughs> others because I was supposed to be beloved. Yeah. But anyway. That's too funny. Yeah. So what's another lesson you took from your travel? I don't know if it's a lesson per se, but something happened during while we were out is uh, this was in the news and that was this uh, new test uh, entrance exam that came out. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, the, the Christian... Um, I can't remember the the acronym, but it's a Christian-based uh, test to take or to be used in place of the S SAT or ACT. Let me get that. I can't recall. I'll have to look it up real quick. No, it's fine. Um, but it, at any rate, it was. It's been suggested, and I, and I looked at it, uh, Marty, and I uh, in places where um, they like the SAT might use uh, passages of Dickens or or somebody like that uh, in the Christian base when they've used people like um, C.S. Lewis Thomas Merton hmm. uh, but no no biblical passage that I could find but those kind of things yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting that, uh, I, I don't know what this is, what, where this is coming from. Again, why is it that we have Christian counseling, uh, but we don't have Muslim counseling? We don't have uh, Christian dentistry. Uh, we don't have, you know, but yet I wonder, well, we have Christian dentistry somewhere. Where, where does the sciences change based on... Uh, based on religion, I, I don't get it. Uh, so yeah, why would we have a different test to, which is an a, an achievement? Well, no, it's a it's an aptitude test. To see if they are prepared for right. school, um, and why would that have to be different? I, I don't understand that. Unless we're talking about an aptitude for Christian college, you know, th then it might make sense to me. Uh, except that we're you know have liberal arts education in Christian schools, or we should have. Um, so, I, right. I, yeah, I'm a little lost on that one. That's very curious about that. Yeah, it's called it's called the classical learning test. Oh, really? So, um, yeah. And so, exactly. And Florida is one of the ones who's agreed to allow this to come through. Um, and I, I hear what you're saying. So, yeah, where where do we draw the line? Is it does every religion um, get their own test? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've not, I'm not, never understood Muslim, that. You know, for Catholics, for example, I don't see a different um, you know counseling. Catholicism, for the most part. It adheres to, you know, just the basics of counseling that that we we need to look at the foundations for the for the field, whatever that field is. Um, but somehow the evangelical Christianity has changed it to where they need their own version of things. Um, and I am looking forward to actually some future podcasts on this issue because I have a lot of. Um, a lot of history here that I think might be helpful, uh, primarily based on, um, you know, coming from an evangelical background and being a, a preacher's kid myself. I, I, I think I can add to that conversation. But anyway, that that's that's fascinating. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't understand. Um, what contribution it makes other than uh, in name only. Because if you're measuring aptitude, you're measuring aptitude. Yeah. And from the practice test, it looks like they test the same thing other than um, the different passages yeah. uh, from different books. Well, and so. And anyone, whether they're. 
uh, whoever is, you know, going into a a college um, should probably know Shakespeare, Dickens, as well as uh, religious texts. They should know what the Quran is. They should know what the you know, what the Old Testament or, or uh, you know, the Torah from uh, Jew. I mean, there should be some elements of some type of knowledge that we could uh, that. Uh, any either you know people of different faiths should know what other faiths use or or at least have some recognition of their existence uh, in some cases I, I don't understand why you know teetering it toward one philosophy would do anyone any good <laughs> no. I'm, I'm lost on that um, other, other, yeah other than making extra money and well that, that yeah that, that's a good point removing the the comp i guess it's just added competition from the college board i other than that i don't understand it yeah yet. so yeah we we can talk about that at some other time yeah no i get uh, into some of these well and you know a issues li- about religious if, well and you know a little bit about assessment too <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that, you know, you know, you talk about things that you were thinking about. One thing I was, you know, couldn't help but think about is just about, you know, especially being in um, Ireland is is the discrimination of peoples. Uh, and I it takes me to the history of what's going on. You know, we would watch, you know, Irish movies before we went. We, you know, studying about the troubles between Northern and and the Republic of Ireland, uh, the 30 year troubles, mm-hmm. as well as just the foundation. I mean, literally Ireland, the Republic of Ireland has only been around for hundred years, uh, 101 years, uh, actually now. So, so it, but you know, they have been, um, a occupied country for the longest time. Uh, that's what a lot of those castles were, was these Lords, uh, from, uh, from, uh, from England that were pretty much, uh, uh, stealing everything from them, even in the potato famine, uh, it wasn't that there wasn't food it's that the food was going to england uh and they were starving out you know the 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 residents of the uh of ireland um and so that was the problem so well i mean there was a lot of problems but but that that was a major issue they could have easily survived and the millions did not have to die uh i forget how many died i shouldn't say millions i'd have to look at the number but but Anyways, um, these are were these are just recently freed people, and and mm-hmm. here they are, uh, and they're white in color, and yet here they came, many of them by the droves, coming millions coming to the United States, and they were treated extremely poor. Um, they were treated. Uh, uh, you know that they were being, you know, that they were it had to do with poverty in many ways, or social class, or whatever the case is. Right. That they taught still gay, or they still spoke in Gaelic, and they couldn't understand them. And they, uh, whatever the case is, is that they were they were a uh, quite my, um, uh, you know, ostracized in our communities. And it just makes me think about, you know, our origins, especially with our field of counseling and how multicultural counseling came about and trying to understand people of different, uh, you know, different cultures, different races, different, I mean, it's really has mm-hmm. been important, but I sometimes wonder if we've gotten away from the multicultural aspect and we've gone to uh, the, opposite end of that to almost a social justice trying to change cultures in many cases rather than truly understanding them Um, you know me coming in to that culture as an example and if i wanted to work with them i better understand that history and 
don't, you know, and uh, before I start making certain statements, otherwise it's gonna, it's gonna, uh, I'm gonna offend them and uh, and not be able to develop any type of relationship with them. I say anything, you know, about the the English, or I might, you know, comment about the, you know, castles, and they may see that castle as a as a as a symbol of oppression. Um, where I see it as a thing of beauty in our history, but they may not see it in that way, and I better understand that. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so that's one of the things I was, I've been, it's been on my mind quite a bit, is just, I, I feel like our, I feel like we have lost um, our, the meaning of multiculturalism and truly understanding and exposing people to different, you know, uh, cultures based on nationality based on uh many different aspects and and to use color only uh as a uh, marker uh for diversity i think has done us a disservice in some ways um not that we shouldn't look at that i think color is very important but and it's outward um people see that immediately and sometimes make stereotypes and judgments based on that but you know to eliminate religion and not think about religion um the religions the religious diversity i mean more more people have been killed over religion more than anything and that's even what's half separated with people here in ireland is the is the protestants and the catholics not that that i mean that's too simplistic to say it that way but but you know that again we're talking a hundred years or less than a hundred years the troubles just ended what in 1990s um and and there's so they're still learning these lessons um and uh anyways i just think we need to relook at our mission for multiculturalism and and uh, try to uh pull back the pendulum a little bit away from the social justice and trying to change people because we think that their culture uh, needs to be changed if that makes any sense (laughs) what it it does to me marty um when you're talking i i realize it it occurred to me that um for many years that um the irish who moved here um were oppressed i mean they were looked down on um they were second-class citizens for a long time and i remember when uh kennedy you were talking about religion was uh elected to pre- as the president and people made the biggest deal uh, about that he was a Catholic. Yeah. I mean, people were up in arms uh, in my family, uh, Protestant family, about this Catholic guy who's going to get the Pope involved in American politics. Right. I, I didn't, I, you know, and you're right. Um, this, we've sort of lost our way in, in terms of that aspect of understanding not just our clients but also our colleagues in terms of their differences in not not color only or skin tone but their their religious and cultural the their ways of behaving uh, the way that they exist in the world yeah um, well i mean a, a typical you know, example it, is uh Again, I, I, you know, we've talked many times, and I, again, I know you're from Kentucky. I was born there, raised for the most part yep. outside of it. But, but again, there's there is a uniqueness, a new unique culture of the Appalachian culture, and and to deny that, yeah. or to think that you know, people that live in this area are just the same as any other white person in, in New England is silliness, uh, and, and it really. Um, you know, to, to base your, you know, multicultural aspects on, on the, on the color itself has, will ignore the humanness of the, and, and the diversity of that, of that specific group. Um, and the oppression and the, yes. the isolation of that group and, and many different aspects, um, that uh, may closely align with other groups, but because we just look at culture or color, sometimes we will miss all those various, um, you know, issues. 
that where we yeah. can help them, you know. Well, I, you know, I'm, I hate to go there, but it's just obvious. It's an obvious thing that's happened. And not to talk about it, it's like not talking about the elephant in the room, and that is the Holocaust. I mean, Jewish yeah. people are are considered white. Yet, yeah, uh, six million of them died under Hitler because they were considered less than human. Yeah, and how does how do they how do they rank? Uh, how would they? be considered under our new construct of social justice today if say uh, an individual was to uh, they didn't disclose that they're of their religion would they be considered just you know a a white person with privilege I don't know yeah I don't know there's there's so much to it yep it's like you know you you have an Irishman and a Jewish person in the same room. These two Irish folks and are an Irish person and a and a Jewish person in the same room, and then you have somebody from like you were talking about from Boston, New England, and and we're stereotyping even that. But yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, they're those like are years apart. Yep, even those be. people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We would have to treat each one, or get to know them and their culture and their way of communicating, the, what's pertinent to them. Uh, anyway, yeah, I think, and, I think, and get to know all those other, you know, uh, areas of sexual orientation, their gender, their their mm-hmm. their specific occupation that may go with it, whether they have a military family. <laughs> Uh, whether their parents were educated or not and how they've been or whether they're working, you know, uh, in the, you know, as a working person, uh, blue collar. You know, again, all of those things shape who we think and our, and our identity. Um, but that right. doesn't make up the whole person in many ways. I don't know. Well, anyways, that, again, not that I have all the answers there, but it really makes me you know, question, and I, and again, even a future podcast on this aspect of multiculturalism and, and social justice, especially in the counseling field, I think would really be, really be good for us to explore. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we could uh, bring in some other folks and they could discuss it with us. That'd be good. Yeah. Oh, I'd love that too. Yeah. yeah. I would love that. Well, what else? Anything else? That uh, things no. that you've explored or thought the, about the while one on is, the road. <laughs> no, the one that sticks with me is that legacy issue that we talked earlier yeah. about about existentialism, um, that meaning well, and purpose that we talked about. Well, you know, it's crazy because I that is on my mind all the time. I mean, literally all the time, and. And I, I think I was telling you that earlier, but I, I love old movies. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm sort of. I wish I had a you know a Turner Classic Movie Channel that I or you know a, a, you know where yeah. I could see any movie at any time because that that's what I would be. I would I would be watching. I'd I'd know everything, every trivia thing about them. But but anyways, you know what's funny is what's an old movie. I mean, and that's what's even funny too is because I don't I consider anything past the '60s um, is sort of old, whereas my kids might think they're you know anything in the you know from 2000 on is old but i have a way (laughs) but i have a way of always checking up on people to see if they're still alive i i don't know what that is uh but there's just part of me that just you know is always thinking of this aspect of like you say a legacy and what we've left behind and what whether we'll be remembered um you know in the future Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, it, it, I think it, I think, uh, I think it's well discussed. I think uh, Rollo May and some of the others um, plotted through this and started the journey. But like Frankel's um, 
Search for Man, Search for Meaning, where he talks yeah. about his experiences in a concentration camp. He had to find uh, the will to live, right? Yeah. So. Well, was, you know, it's funny you say that. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Mark. Well, you know, what I was thinking of when you said Frank, or not Franco, but uh, Rollo May. Uh, I remember him saying that, you know, for counselors, um, especially. For counselors, they should not be seeking out, you know, nonfiction or just constantly reading counseling books. He said they should get into the into literary works. They need to get into the humanities. Uh, and that's where you learn to actually work with people. I always thought that was fascinating. And to me, I'm thinking about even this aspect of us going and traveling is that we are trying to get to know people, uh, not the history necessarily of, you know, the, uh, you know, what this rock means or what, you know, Cliffs of Moore, for example, and, you know, the, how beautiful they are, but the people around uh, and the, again, the culture and how it was brought together. And so you can get to know the individuals in, in themselves. And to me, I think that's what the history is about. And I really wonder if counselors should get more into the humanities and and and, and history. Uh, and that might do better for our clients uh, rather than uh, looking at theory books. <laughs> you know, that's a really good that's a really good idea. I I tend to use a lot of metaphor. I know you do too. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'm a, I'm a cinema buff myself, and I found that like uh, stories, um, yeah. Any all those stories that have come before us, uh, Greek tragedies, Shakespeare, uh, even our current. Um, the movies that we watch now all speak a certain uh, there's a certain ethos, there's a certain mythology that we yeah. all have in common yeah, and that, it, that makes us human, it, yeah it, it, it comes through these these films and these stories and they're very applicable to our clients yeah. and uh, if, if you just spout theory, uh, you're going to have a hard time explaining it to your client. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, using a story that they're familiar with uh, helps a great deal. So, yeah. Yeah. No, the, I just I just was listening to a a uh, song. Again I, again, I was trying to immerse myself into the experience of being in Ireland. One of the songs, I think it was called The Patriot Game. Patriots game or something along that line, but anyways, it was talking about mm -hmm. going and shooting policemen, and you know, again, this struggle to have a free Ireland, wow. and um, you know, again, it it really, you know, made me also go to the you know the South spirituals, the Black spirituals, um, and again, yes. that that desire to be free. Um, you know, again, that's what brings us together as humanity um, is that we do have these common struggles that are found in the liter in in stories, whether that's in, like you say, film, whether that's in song, or again, these stories that I think uh, link us all together. And I just I'm afraid that we miss some of that. Um, and again, if we don't use those metaphors in some mm -hmm. ways, are we really connecting with our clients? I, I can answer that. Uh, no, yeah. if, if it's based on the the idea that we're supposed to have a, a therapeutic alliance with our clients, uh, for example, uh, like sure, CBT works, uh, and you don't necessarily have to have a, a therapeutic alliance with your clients. Um, I mean, that's that's the idea Aaron Beck put forward. I, I think he amended that just a little bit as he uh, grew older. But um, if you don't connect with your clients and understand their struggles, or like we were talking about earlier with our, whether they be white or a different skin tone, whatever, uh, if, if you truly don't respect and know the individual, it's gonna be a hard sell. Uh, in session, yeah. With them. 
You know, I mean, everybody can smell out can smell out the person who really does not care. Yeah. Well, you know what I we, I think me and you both have debated back and forth and talked about the you know this therapy alliance issue and and again and mm-hmm. you know the theory based practice and so forth and and I was thinking about it even you <laughs> with art. Uh, I know you're an artist and I've seen mm-hmm. some of your work which is beautiful and and I see that. Um, for you, uh, and I see that in art in other ways, um, it has to come. It has to be, you have to be there. You have to truly, you know, in, in a counseling session, you have to really, I mean, you have to be attentive and, and intentional about really diving yourself into this world of your client. And and again, I liken it to, if this makes any sense, because you're the artist in the room. But it, for me, I think when we're looking at it too much from a from a theoretical perspective, let's say CBT as an example, to me that seems like paint by number, is we're forcing a particular worldview. <laughs> and, and, and everyone's gonna come up with the same thing, whereas you as an artist can actually flow and move with your client. If, does that make any sense as an artist? <laughs> Absolutely, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, because it, uh, again, if, if go back to the paint by numbers that's great um a painting especially if you're if you're doing one that's non-representational and and you don't know whether it's going to work or not you have to be totally immersed in the in the space in the time and with the materials uh that you're working with um to actually come to a place where that work either it either the artwork either works and represents what you're trying to express or it doesn't and you, you, it's a flow it's a flow process similar yeah. to um, the, the process of flow that we talk about in, in psychology and counseling and in the sessions it's it's very similar in my experience that even though in the back of my head I may have CBT or or even existentialism in the back of my head as, as a general framework from which I'm working with the client to help them with their particular goals whatever they want to achieve but it, I, I have these nudges and uh, ideas and innovations that come to me if I'm in the moment. If I'm in my head, right, then all I do is spit out this structured uh, counseling, uh, right. like structured, you know, workbook kind of stuff. Yeah, right. And I, I, you know, you go to step one, step two, step three. But I, I found a counseling it just doesn't work like that, and it, you're, you have to be attuned to the to the client and be in the moment with them, and then these these uh, with a loose with a loose uh, grip on the theory, you become aware of what you should ask next. And I would like to say that all those thoughts and ideas are. That I think them up in the moment. I'd like to take ownership of them. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. it's very similar to my artwork. So sometimes I create uh, uh, a painting or a drawing um, or a watercolor or whatever, and I'll come back to it uh, in a day or two, and it just hits me like I I don't really recall making those brush marks. Huh. Um, I don't know where that. How did I do that? Yeah, and it's very similar. Uh, when a client comes to me and says, you know, the be- the thing that helped me the most is when you said this, this, and this. And and I have to stop for a minute and I, because that's not in my notes. Right, right. Yeah, but it, may, it had an impact. Yeah, so let me ask you a question. And this is, I, I, I've been, I've wondered about this uh, since being a counselor myself. And, and I'm curious what you think. And this sort of goes to the, is counselor born or are they made? Okay, so look at that as a framework. But here's here's my question. I'm wondering if we are producing counselors who do, who paint by number and, uh, and produce a decent piece, even though it's not original and it's not 
that good. Uh, and we sort of guide people toward this, uh, let me put in my air quotes here, but uh, you know, evidence-based practice uh, realm. And we uh, discourage many times people to go with that flow. And we really, um, and we think everyone can do it because if we follow this pattern of paint by number, uh, theory based practice, you'll all be okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yet maybe we're just bringing in people, this goes to our, <laughs> our gatekeeping thing that we talked about last time too. But are we bringing in people that maybe this is not the best fit? because they cannot they're not artists and we need artists in the field <laughs> that was a that was a loaded a question i know it's a loaded question but it's a great question and it and it's one that i've pondered for a long time and i tend to agree with you that that you're either a counselor or not it's like um Certain individuals who come to the counseling program who apply, uh, I know right off the bat that it's not it's going to be um, counseling by numbers for them because they're not in, they're not empathic they're not, they don't have uh, the ability to put themselves in another person's shoes. It's that they can't do it. Yeah. Um, and how do you how do you teach that? Um, I mean, you can walk them through it, and and they can pretend to mouth the words, but do they actually feel it? Yeah, or the clients and feel it. Yeah, I, it's my yeah, and and that's that's the piece that, we're, in my opinion, where we're missing the boat because we haven't actually learned a way to measure true feeling for others or genuineness. Um, you, you talked about certitude um, in earlier conversations that we had, and certainty. Uh, I, I, I think that that's one aspect of gatekeeping or, or counseling where we haven't, we haven't done a very good job of showing or somehow measuring that right, aspect. Right. Um, the, the ability to connect with others um, because you, you either again you either have that in my opinion either you have that or you don't and you you can be a, you can be a caseworker right right uh, but you just you but I don't know that I can trust you with a, another person's inner Psyche, soul, whatever. You and again, want to call I, it. I go back again, back to the uh, the arts. Um, you know, you know a person. I mean, I could learn. I, I'm not an artist. I, I want to be so bad. You know, um, I'm talking mainly. Uh, I, I I love banjo, for example, banjo and guitar music. I just, I, I guess that's partially coming out of my, right. you know, maybe Irish and. Uh, and Appalachian roots, but um, and I've got a banjo, but you know, I just I I know I'll never be a musician. I try, and I'll do okay, but mm -hmm. I know that that is not the field for me uh, because I am doing. I just my hands and mind and everything just doesn't work to make that happen, and I and I just see that we're you know we're moving people that we are talking about many times in arts field um, and we're thinking it's all science um, and, and even in the science part where I think we'd lost all anyway there, there's most of our research is very poor I think unfortunately um, but uh, but anyways I, I feel like uh, we're we're uh, in, in many ways, we're uh, regression to the mean. We're all going to make everyone decent. And we're accepting mediocrity in our counseling. Addicted to mediocrity. Well. <laughs> I never thought about it, but I... That, uh, I can identify with the banjo, though, <laughs> okay. because even I've all I've always wanted to play an, a musical instrument, but I, in 
I actually gave myself a year. Oh, really? Um, of four hours a day practice, and it just—I, I don't have what yeah. it takes. There's a certain mindset. Something. Yeah. That. Yeah, I can see yeah. these well, three-year-olds do it. You know, and you're going, "My God, here I am." You know. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, my dad could just pick up uh, any instrument and just automatically yeah. play it. It's like always envied people like that. Go, Why don't you get it? Yeah. So I, I I hear what you're saying. Perhaps there is something to that, um, to the fact that, that, that counseling is an art, and some people can do it and some people can't. Uh, and if if that is the case, then mediocrity. You're right. Mediocrity is where we're going. Yeah. Because it is uh, counseling by the steps. Yeah. Yeah. Twelve, 12 steps in well, some cases. Well, you know, that, that if we wanted to go, go a segue, um, I would like to actually start going into addiction treatment, um, whether that's next time or not, a next podcast or not. And, and I, I know you have a story to tell, but I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I'd love sure. to explore with you just uh, the best way we can help as counselors, the best way we can help people that are struggling with addiction and even under understanding what addiction is because to me I think that might be one of the uh, after hearing your story and then trying to really define what addiction is I think is a is a good uh, place to start <laughs> yeah I, I would say that's the best place yeah. to start yeah sounds good this has been fun yeah, it has. I appreciate it. I've learned something today. That's that's always, I guess, a measure is we whether we learn something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if others can feel this or not, but I think this is a collaboration between me and you, obviously. But hopefully, this can be a collaboration with other people that are listening to us. Is we all need to have a peer uh, to be able to bounce ideas off of, and that's what I have. I think with you, David, I appreciate that. And I'm hoping that maybe even in them listening to this, they can get a little bit of that. Um, and maybe if they reach out, they can actually join us one day and we can talk some of their issues out. I'd love it. All right. Well, until next time.